Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We may live over 5,000 miles collectively away from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in film study. And each and every week for the rest of the season, we're going to be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and from the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page, episode number one. I am your host, Shane Half. You can give me a follow on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. And I'm joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, firstly, you said you didn't have an intro ready, and then you bring out the Across the Pond intro. I love it. Um, Yeah, I'm good. I'm not a podcaster. Never have been. I've done a few uh, previously, but I've always been a writer, so I am interested. Um, I think it just gives us a different perspective, doesn't it? You can talk in so much more depth than you can. So I think we sort of see these as like an extension of what we already do. So if you like what we both do on Twitter and you want to hear like even more, if you've got the sickness like we do, and you just want to hear as much as you can about football, then I am excited. I think it'll give us both a chance to sort of discuss things. I would say as well, I didn't even mention this off air, but I don't really listen to a lot of other people, especially before Wednesday. So I haven't looked at a lot of your stuff yet. Um, I haven't really listened to anyone else. So I would say in some way that's quite nice. For example, I know you've got a video about um, Josh Joe up, and I think we'll talk about him later on. And I really don't know what you're going to say about him. So it is quite natural. I think we haven't got anything pre-planned. We're going to just sort of say what we uh, see. And yeah, I think you said before, let's just see how it goes. And hopefully feedback's positive. Yeah, so the way you should do this is you should be doing this over preseason football. So we've got some time to work the kinks out, you know, get our legs under us. But we're just diving in mid-season. So uh, listeners out there, if there are things you want to hear us cover, format suggestions, feel free to throw them our way on Twitter. Uh, we want to evolve this into what you guys want to hear. We don't want to, we want to be in depth like we normally are, but in a way that can be followed, whether you're watching on YouTube or whether you're listening later on podcasting platforms. So hit us up with your suggestions. Uh, you like that intro. I, I came up with that while my kids were at the dentist. Uh, so I was just workshopping that here. And so I think it went well. We'll see what Rachel thinks. We'll see what the listeners think and we'll get going. So uh, I think where we're going to do that each week, we're planning to kick off with uh, just sort of a big picture offensive and defensive takeaway. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into the film. So let's start. Uh, let's start with our big defensive takeaway. Johnny, what was your biggest defensive takeaway in this game? Biggest defensive takeaway is the Eagles pass rush is extremely good. And it sounds very basic, but I don't think I've ever watched That's probably an exaggeration. I'm sure I have. I don't think I've watched many games where I got to the fourth quarter and I'm looking at the secondary and I'm thinking there is no chance the Eagles are going to be able to do anything. And there was, when you watch Eagles 22, it was different to live. There was busted plays. There was guys running open a few times. The Eagles pass rush just totally saved them. Um, and I think we'll get into the specifics later on of some of the reasons for those uh, 
coverage busts. But yeah, I think when you've got such a good pass rush, you're always going to be in every game. I think the Eagles defense has got so many problems on the back end and it's not really their own fault. They're just so, so injured at the moment. But if in the NFL, if you can rush the quarterback like the Eagles can currently, I think my big takeaway for the defense is just thank goodness that the pass rush is so good because I think it currently looks really, really good. And I think they're going to need that pass rush to be extremely good uh, for the rest of the season and definitely into the playoffs. Yeah, my big takeaway for the defense is just how banged up the secondary is. And I mean, we're going to talk about defensive miscues because that's what we're supposed to do. But if you as a fan are complaining about the defense after this game, I mean, I don't The defense forced negative 0.77 EPA per drive. And they did that without Darius Slay, Jalen Carter, Reed Blankenship, Zach McPherson, Avante Maddox, Justin Evans, Sidney Brown, Bradley Roby, and Eli Ricks. I mean, at one point, you the only starting defensive back that was on the field is James Bradbury. And he's playing alongside Josh Job, who's like CB five, Mario Goodrich, who's CB eight, who the Eagles cut today. And then you have Makai Gardner, who was like CB nine playing safety in this game. And so uh, I thought, you know, for what, for what the Eagles had at their disposal, I thought the defense played really well. I know it's against Zach Wilson and you alluded to some of those throws that were there that, the pass rush covered up or Zach Wilson missed, and we'll get into that. But uh, overall, just for the defense, they have got to get healthy. You, you cannot continue to string games together with this depth uh, in the backfield. Yeah, All right. So, oh, sorry, I was going to say I totally missed Goodrich being so, uh, cut. So you threw me when you said that. I was like, he did? Uh, yeah, I didn't think he was very good, sadly. But um, I didn't realize he was cut. So there you go. Breaking news on the podcast as well, because I had no idea. So yeah, if any of listeners in- Saw me just suddenly go, what? Uh, that was why I had no clue. So there you go. Yeah, they brought in uh, Mario, Go- or they, excuse me, they got rid of Goodrich and they brought in Josiah Scott. So I'm not sure, right. not sure if we're making uh, positive moves there, but we are making moves nonetheless. So, okay, yeah. let's flip it over to the offensive side really quickly. Uh, what is your big picture takeaway for the offense? Uh, everyone needs to calm down about Jaden Hurts in this game, like really calm down. So, this was a weird game for me because being from England, as I'll talk about a lot, and you don't know by the accent, I don't watch a lot of games live this year. So the Eagles game wasn't actually the, the TV game over here. So I had to watch the old game in 40 prior to work, um, which means you really have a rushed view of it. And I watched the game and didn't think he was very good. I sort of, I don't know, it was, it was quite nervy. I didn't really have a great feel. And then I got to the All-22 that same day and I got through the first three quarters and I thought, He's played really, not just like well, like he's been really good. Like I thought he was actually very, very good the first three quarters. Then he had an absolute meltdown on the last two drives. And we will talk about that obviously in more depth later on in the podcast. But it's very uncharacteristic for him. So it's not something I'm worried about yet because it's something that I think was more of a one-off. And it's not something that we've seen as a pattern over his career. If anything, I think he's shown that he's very clutch in big moments. Um, So my big takeaway is just, like everyone online, please calm down about the Jaden Hurts and Brian Johnson discourse this week. Um, in particular, Jaden Hurts, though, I just thought some of the comments were like really OTT. And there was a lot of people sort of suggesting he had a really bad game. He had one of the worst interceptions, probably the worst he will ever throw. Um, but there were so many mistakes when against the offense. I'm not hitting the panic button on either the offense or defense after this week, but especially 
the offense. I feel like it's one of those games that everyone's annoyed because the Eagles lost. And trust me, so am I. I think it's a terrible game to lose because they should not have lost that game. But I think schematically, um, the way the quarterback's playing, I think everyone probably needs to relax just a little bit. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at as well. I mean, you're not going to turn the ball over four times and win many games. Uh, the Eagles lost 18 EPA on turnovers. You're not going to survive these awful drops. Devonta Smith, Kenny Gainwell having drops. Devonta Smith's especially that are uncharacteristic. Um, if you exclude his two interceptions that weren't his fault, because, I mean, we can all agree the Dallas Goddard one is not Jalen Hurts' fault. The one where he gets hit as he throws, and we'll get, I'm not trying to get too deep into it right here. I'm sure we will, but a, a shot play was dialed up. And so he has to hold the ball. The window's not open yet. And then he gets hit as he throws. So if you exclude those two, which I mean, you can't do, but if you set those two aside and you say those two interceptions aren't really on him, his EPA would rank 14th in the NFL on the season for that game. And that includes three drops, two of which were really high leverage plays. Kenny Gainwell drop on third down, so you have to punt. And then the dagger drop to Devonta Smith that would have been a 30 plus yard game and the Eagles take a sack the next play and end up having to punt. So overall, um, if Jalen Hurts last two drives were the first two drives of the game and the Eagles lost by two, everyone would be talking about how good, J how much Jalen Hurts bounced back, how well he played and the offense let him down. And it's recency bias. It's I mean, it's very that interception loses you the game. If that interception's on the first drive, people aren't, I don't think people feel nearly as negatively about Hertz after this week. So uh, if you could just alter the sequence there, which you can't, and we'll get into what he did and what went wrong on that play. But uh, let's turn the page here now. Let's dive into it. Kind of the nitty gritty of the film stuff. Uh, I have seen all of your offensive all 22 thread uh, because for some reason you get all 22 like 18 hours before I do. And it drives me crazy, but I have not seen any of your defensive stuff. So it'll be interesting to compare notes there. Uh, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. We'll, we'll make the people wait for the offense. That's what everybody wants, Johnny. That's podcasting 101 here. You, you get the people, the good people to stay on all the way to the end of the show. So let's start with the defense and uh, we can just sort of walk through this. Um, and again, you guys let us know if there's some different format you would like, but we'll try to kind of talk through this game uh, sequentially and what we saw happen. So uh, the Eagles start out really well on defense, get a punt on the first drive. They give up a field goal on the second drive, get a turnover on downs. Uh, so three of the first or two of the first three drives in with no points on the board, uh, or obviously they get a field goal on that middle drive. But uh, what were you seeing early in the game from the Eagles defensively? Yeah, so the biggest thing was on the first drive, which I couldn't really believe. Um, the Eagles played like a, I, I don't really care what you call it. I'm not very technical in terms of language. So I called it a 6-1 front because there were six guys on the line. But there are four defensive tackles. So if you want to call it a 4-0 front, no one cares, uh, as Coach Vass would say. It all, it's all the same. It's just different language. People try and sound smart. The Eagles had six men on the line of scrimmage, however you want to call it. They had four defensive tackles, including Jordan Davis. Like, what is that? I, I know the Jets went on heavy personnel, but I've never seen the Eagles for years go to that heavy. And I think the thing that we're learning about um, Sean Desire every week is that he is really matchup based. So if the Jets are going to go three tight ends and they're going to try and run the ball, then they're going to play four defensive tackles. I mean, I can't think when I last saw the Eagles did that. So they had 
Jordan Davis and Streets there as well, who are basically nose tackles, especially Jordan Davis. And on top of that, I thought the linebacker was also pretty close to the line of scrimmage as well. And um, Edmonds actually ended up making a play on the ball carrier when they had these four defensive tackles in the game. So I just think schematically, I think this Eagles defense is really matchup based. There are a few things that they do every single game. And one of them is um, post-snap safety rotation, which is becoming a serious theme of this defense, which is going from two high to single high. But I think the most interesting thing for me was just how um, aggressive they were against the run. I think a big theme to the Eagles defense this year is that they are aggressive downhill. They seem to have a priority to stop the run. And I think that is a totally different um, vibe, basically, to what the Eagles priority was last year. Whereas we said many times after the game, the Eagles were almost quite happy to give up. Um, some yards running the ball. It was almost like, well, if you run at three or four yards a carry or four or five yards a carry, you're not throwing the ball. So we'll take it. The Eagles mentality has totally shifted this year. They want to completely neutralize offensive running games. And I think coming out with four defensive tackles, there's not many times I sort of stare at my screen and look, wait, wait, and I'm sort of counting like in my head, like, is there four defensive tackles on my line of scrimmage? So yeah, if you haven't seen that play, um, go to my timeline and have a look at it. Because it's just not something you see um and this isn't with like nolan smith at edge like maybe a part-time linebacker these are your two edge defenders you've got sweat and reddick like this is a proper six-man front so i think the thing that really stood out for me early on was just how much the eagles wanted to take away the jets running game and when i think overall you'd have to say that was a success throughout the game they managed to do that the jets had a few runs but the eagles pretty much managed to neutralize the majority of the jets running game um throughout the game yeah uh, i saw that play uh, you can call it whatever you want, but yeah, four defensive tackles, uh, guy in each A gap, guy in each B gap, and then they've got their stand. Well, I think sometimes Josh Sweat would put his hand in the ground still. Uh, so it's sort of like almost morphed into like a five two over front or something. I don't know, but regardless, you've got, yeah, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat on the edge. You've got a linebacker, and then you've got your two defensive backs, two safeties. And one of the main reasons the Eagles are doing that. I mean, you're you're playing Zach Wilson, so you would prefer to make him throw the football, and you're not going to get that uh, every game for sure. But and the Jets were going heavy personnel, but with that linebacker and with both safeties, you can get nine guys in the box. You can get nine guys in your run fits, and that's that's so much. I mean, that's why the Eagles' run defense is so good. It is something they've prioritized. And you mentioned that Sean Desai does things very situationally and matchup based, and. This is a matchup where you really want to push that issue. and But it's not just this game. It's something they have committed to, not the four defensive tackle look, but just stopping the run. Uh, they're second in rushing DVOA defensively this season. They're 10th in success rate. And that was a major weakness last year. And, and largely, it was a weakness by design. And, and you've seen Desai want to do things a lot differently here. And so uh, that's interesting uh, for me to note. Also, you know, you, you mentioned rotating safeties. The Eagles almost exclusively in this game lined up pre-snap with two safeties high, middle of field open coverage, and then they would rotate one of those safeties, usually Reed Blankenship before he left the game with an injury. They would rotate him down into the box. And so, again, you, you now have Reed Blankenship in a run fit, but he's also moving down into the flat at the so he's already coming downhill and Reed Blankenship loves to come downhill and hit so if it's a run play not only is he in a run fit but he's already moving downhill at the snap of the ball so uh, that's something I saw a lot I thought the Eagles rotated uh, into a lot of cover one in this game and 
they sort of mixed up if they would have five rushers or if they would drop one of those guys to have a middle, you know, a middle of field zone defender in the hole. But I saw the Eagles doing that a lot over and over. And especially that Terrell Edmonds, he had a really nice run fit on that first drive where he just came down into the hole and popped Brees Hall. I think it was the second play of the game. Uh, dropped it. It was only a two yard gain and got the Jets into a third and eighth that unfortunately they converted via a penalty on Josh Job. But uh, I, I noticed that too. I really liked seeing that from the Eagles early. Yeah, while we're talking run fits, I think the biggest thing I've noticed on tape this year um, is that the Eagles linebackers, and this all comes back to being aggressive against the run, they get downhill fast. Now, for fans that maybe don't, it's sort of a lot of people say things like get downhill fast. But essentially what they are doing is most zone-based running games and even a lot of gap scheme running games, the idea is to double team at the line of scrimmage and then get uh, the offensive lineman to come off that double team and get to the linebacker. But it sounds very simple, but football sometimes is a very simple game that's made complicated, is that if your linebacker is very close to the line of scrimmage, well, the offensive linemen don't have a chance double to plan with the defensive lineman. They have to basically lead a defensive lineman to pick up the linebacker. I think the Eagles have been really good at that this year, and I don't think that's all just scheme. I think that's personnel. So Cunningham is not very good in space, sadly. He's terrible in the past game, but he's really good in run defense. Like he's really good at getting downhill. He does not let offensive linemen uh, spend too or spend too long on their double teams. Um, I wanted to ask you because we haven't actually spoken about it at all. Um, what did you think about the linebacker rotation? Because I, I was sort of. I didn't really see a pattern to it. I, I couldn't find like a rationale. It seemed to me that it started off with uh, Moreau. Then there was a bit of Moreau and Cunningham. Then it looked like Dean played a lot to me. Um, it, I, I found it really interesting because I think the Eagles are really struggling at the moment for continuity um, on the back end. And then you're sort of throwing another area of uh, instability to it. But I actually weirdly quite liked it because I thought they all have their strengths in their own ways. So using Cunningham on early downs makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure about N'Kobe Dean. And I know everyone loves him and I loved him pre-draft. There's too many plays that I still see where he doesn't do what I just spoke about. He doesn't come downhill quickly. I think he takes a beat longer to read and react than Moreau and Cunningham do at this point. So I think there was a couple of times actually you could see him get blocked. And there was one uh, play that I posted where Randall Cobb actually sort of managed to stop him for far too long. So, so what did you make just in general, sort of big picture of how the Eagles linebackers played in their rotation? Because I don't really have a st strong opinion about any of the three linebackers. Um, Moreau, I actually think this is going to sound really weird, has been better blitzing than the Kobe Dean was in this game. I think Dean had one blitz in particular where I saw where Brees Hall just picked him up. I can't remember when it was. I think it might be the third quarter or so, but Brees Hall just picked him up. I didn't post it. I just made a little note of it. Um, I think Moreau has actually been really successful blitzing. Um, the other thing that Cunningham does well is they use him as part of their five-man front sometimes. So he's sort of big enough to almost play like as, as an edge at times and sort of take up one of the uh, gap fits um, as one of the five sort of defensive linemen per se. So yeah, what did you make of it? Because I feel like no one's really spoke about it this week. It's sort of gone unknown. Is that it was quite weird, wasn't it? Like at each drive, it felt like there was a different player in there. Um, so yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I, I like the rotation. I was surprised that Zach Count. I guess I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised when snap counts came out that Zach Cunningham led the linebackers in terms of snaps. Obviously, we're not if we're not counting Hassan Reddick as a as a linebacker, which I would actually. I take that back. Zach Cunningham actually played more snaps than uh, Hassan Reddick by two, but Cunningham played 49. Uh, Morrow played 36 and Dean played 32. And 
I guess that makes sense if you think about it because Morrow and Dean are more similar in, in what they do. And if you put those two on the field together, um, you're really small against the run. And the Eagles, like we spoke about, they really wanted to stop the run in this game. Now, I would be interested to see those two on the field and see if the run defense can hold up because I do think they're the two best linebackers of the three, but obviously Cunningham is so good coming downhill. Uh, I, I like the idea of I, you need to get N'Kobe Dean in there. Like you don't want to get to year three and N'Kobe Dean have played a hundred total snaps since an NFL career. He needs reps. He needs development. And you don't want to get into a situation where, oh, he got hurt the first game. We brought these guys up. Now Dean doesn't get any reps. And all of a sudden it's week 16 in a divisional game that you have to win to win the division. And Nicholas Morrow goes down and N'Kobe Dean comes in cold after three months on the bench. So I do like getting the guy some reps. Um, I didn't notice him a lot uh, watching the film. I, it does make sense to me that he's a he's just a hair slower than Morrow or Cunningham triggering downhill. I don't think that's necessarily a concern. Like, I actually thought that was a strength of his in college. Uh, now granted, he was playing behind a Georgia front that ate up blocks. But I think the Eagle, I mean, the Eagles have that entire Georgia front in front of him now, right? Obviously, Jalen Carter not playing in this one. But um, I think it's probably a little bit of a speed of the game thing. And I think that comes with reps, which is why I'm glad to see them getting him reps in October that will hopefully pay off in December and January. Yeah, that's fair. And um, the other thing that stood out early on in sort of the first half as we get um, sort of through it is, I think we referenced this earlier on, but he was playing a lot of man coverage. Um, now, I hate any website that tracks man and zone coverage because I think it's basically impossible to tell. Um, but the Eagles are definitely running less zone match this year there's absolutely no doubt um we spoke off air about the idea that like when people think of a fangio defense they think of like lots of quarters and cover four i don't really see the eagles do a great deal of zone match right now um they're quite aggressive with their cornerbacks as well and a good example of this was their favorite thing to do at the moment on third and long um is run this sort of sub front with five pass rushers at once. And Brandon Graham actually doesn't play that much at the moment, but he always plays a nose tackle in this look, which I think is just amazing. And they always run a stunt out of it. If you see the Eagles with a five-man front on third and long and Brandon Graham's a nose tackle, they are not asking him just to push the pocket. He is going to be part of a stunt. And I think it's so cool um, what Desai's doing. Um, but the downside of that is, and you spoke about this earlier on, is that well, you can't play that zone match when you're rushing five because you're, you're a man down. Um, you sort of need those four deep defenders, your two outside cornerbacks and your two safeties, um, because any sort of commonly run deep over route, uh, deep crossing, you need your backside safety to sort of take that um, route away. And you don't really have that if you've got a five-man front. So the Eagles on third down are sort of predictable, I would say, at the moment. And I think that's interesting to see if they mix it up. Like, I love this five-man rush. Like, I, I'm all for aggressive. I'm, I was Jim Schwartz all the way. Um, I'm all down for single high man coverage. If they want to throw it deep, let them, um, for the most part. Like, uh, that's my style of defense. I'm not a Fangio guy in my own personal like enjoyment of NFL. But, but I just love the way they're doing this five-man front. When you've got Sweat, Reddick, Brandon Graham, uh, then insert either Davis, Cox, Carter, or Williams, that is a terrifying prospect for any opposing offense. Um, so look out for that. 
just watch the Eagles on third and long. I think what's really interesting now is do the Eagles start running something off that? Do we start seeing uh, maybe Nolan Smith creep into the game as an edge and then maybe you drop him out? Is there something you can do to not be as predictable? Because it worked in this game. Um, but basically, I see the Eagles line up with five men fronts and I see Brandon Graham and nose tackle. I know a stun's coming and I'm almost certain it's single high man coverage behind him. So what's going to be interesting now, and this is why it's, hard to be a coach in the NFL is everyone else is going to know that as well. So I'm interested to see how the Eagles build off that. Um, I love it for now. I think it's brilliant. Um, but I wonder what the game plan will be moving forward. Because um, even on that play um, where the Eagles got the sack on third down, I actually think uh, Zach Wilson had a chance to hit, I think it was uh, the guy in the slot to the right. Um, I can't remember if it was against Roby or someone else, but I'm pretty sure that play did not look like particularly well covered on the back end. But as we mentioned earlier on, the theme of this Eagles defense is that the pass rush is so good. It is allowing that injury riddled secondary to sort of survive. Um, so that was one other theme I sort of thought was a game went on was this sub front with the five pass rushes. I think we're going to keep seeing it because it keeps working. But I think we're going to see offenses start to counter it um, moving forward. Yeah, a counterpunch I would like to see to that is the Eagles do that five-man front, but make Nicholas Morrow or N'Kobe Dean be that guy that's over the center. It, in the A-gap, you could put them both in there if you want to, similarly to what the Vikings did, where, uh, of course, we saw the downside to that is you can run the ball on that look, especially if you can wash those guys out of the A-gaps. But are they coming or are they not? And if you can just – if you can show five men rushing – and then bail a guy out. You don't sacrifice your coverage, but then you have created one-on-one -on -one opportunities across the board. Or you're you're seeing teams have to do what the Eagles had to do once Lane Johnson goes out, leave a running back into chip block, leave a tight end in. And uh, anything you can do to make life easier on your edge rushers and make the defense or the offense have to account for that. Those are some of the counter punches I'd like to see, but I don't necessarily want to see Brandon Graham dropping into coverage. So I'd like to see them start doing that with you know, you mentioned Nolan Smith or uh, Hassan Reddick. I saw Josh Sweat drop into coverage once in this game and not remarkably effective, but it's something that you can mix in at times. But for people wondering, you know, the Eagles have such good pass rushers. Why would you need to run rush more people? I don't know if anyone's thinking that because everyone last year just screamed blitz more during a 70 sack season. But if you're wondering that putting that fifth guy up there just guarantees that everyone has a one on one matchup or that the offense is having to commit extra resources to blocking, like we saw the Eagles do with Jack Driscoll in the game. So uh, it is very, it was very like jarring on film to be like, wait, who's lined up at nose tackle? Brandon Grant. Imagine being a center and you have to prepare for 380 pounds of Jordan Davis to line up on top of you and 260 pounds of Brandon Graham and getting that from play to play. That would just be like the worst sort of whiplash adjusting there on the fly. Yeah, I think that's just a massive benefit this Eagles defense has got. Um, I mean, I don't know how you feel overall, like big picture, Luke, but I think you'd have to be impressed with what Sean Desire has done this year. Um, but it helps when you've got that defensive line. There are so many different ways they can rush the quarterback. Um, I'm going to mention him because, as we said, we're going to sort of go random as we talk about this because you threw his name out and I did as well, Nolan Smith. Um, a lot of comments this week about Derek Barnett because that, there was that play that went viral where we just got hammered. Um, I don't want to jinx anything, but I, my only concern about the way this Eagles team is rushing the quarterback at the moment is they are really reliant on Sweat and Reddick. 
and they need someone else to step up on the edge, I feel like, because they've been unbelievably good. I think Sweat's been the best player on the team the past two weeks, and Reddick's not been far behind. But Nolan Smith just doesn't do anything at the moment. Um, he played three snaps in a row. One of them he dropped into coverage and just looks a bit all over the place. And then he tried to jump inside on an outside run, and he didn't play again. So I think we don't always know what happens. And I think anyone who watches film has to be careful. We do not know what the call is. So I do not know that no edge is meant to set the edge there. It's possible that he's meant to jump inside and a linebacker is meant to scrape for the outside. It's possible a cornerback is being used to set the edge. The fact that, that was the last snap he played of the entire game after playing three snaps in a row, um, that tells me that I know what the call was and he was most certainly not supposed to do that. Um, so I think the Eagles have a little bit of a concern at depth at edge. But the depth inside is insane. Like it's just really, really good. I shout them out every week, but Milton Williams is fantastic. Like, I mean, Jordan Davis, I think, arguably had the best game of his career because to able to be able to play the volume of snaps that he did, playing five-man fronts, four-man fronts, he's rushing the quarterback on third down. Like Davis is there. I was concerned about him preseason. He he's there. You've got Carter, you've got Davis, and you've got Williams, and that trio are just gonna be very very good for a long time to come i think it's edge defender where i'm looking at next man up i want someone else to bring something and um, graham's more like a rotational piece that plays a bit of everything at the moment he's not really a bend the edge guy whether it's barnett whether it's smith i think you need probably one more player to step up on that edge rotation because reddick and sweat can't play 80 plus percent of the snaps and stay fresh and when they're not in the game I think it is noticeable um, that they're not in the game, basically, because they're so, so dominant compared to their backups. Yeah, and you definitely want someone to step up that's on the team already because Howie Roseman's track record of trading for edge rushers in season is not very good. We've got what, Gennard Avery, Robert Quinn uh, just has not worked well. But uh, to your point, last year, Josh Sweat played 53% of the snaps. Um, and let's see, where's Hassan Reddick? Hassan Reddick played... 74% of the snaps. So these are Hassan Reddick played a high volume. Sweat was rotated a lot. Derek Barnett. So people have asked me about Nolan Smith versus Derek Barnett. And I think there's a little bit, a little bit to it is that they don't really play the same position. I think Nolan Smith plays more of Hassan Reddick's position than he does Derek Barnett's position. Uh, he's more of a stand up, lightweight rusher. Uh, he's 6'2", 238, Derek Barnett's got like 25 pounds on him. And we talked about it at the top of the show, that the commitment to stopping the run. Derek Barnett, for the absolute nothing he adds in the pass rush game, he's got 49 pass rush snaps this year with zero pressures. Um, he's a pretty solid run defender generally. And Nolan Smith was a good run defender in college, but you mentioned it, that, that play that uh, the play that he gets washed inside on the, I think it was an end around or reverse, something like that. And then he doesn't play again. And there was a rep in preseason, the rep that he got hurt on, it was an, a reverse where he lost contain and he was able to make up for it with his athleticism. And then he got hurt on the tackle. It was great explosiveness, but he wasn't staying gap sound. And I feel, I feel like some of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you're not getting on the field. And so you do, and you're so desperate to make a play and you're not, not necessarily as disciplined. I would like to see Nolan or I would like to see Nolan Smith start to make some strides. I mean, he was a bit of a project and we knew that when the Eagles drafted him and I thought he was great value at 30. Uh, I wouldn't have liked him at 10. I thought he was good value at 30. I would have preferred my guy, Joey Porter jr. Who was a top 10 guy on my board 
and was still there. And obviously he would have been in hindsight with all the injuries would have been great to have. Uh, but I, it would be nice to see Nolan Smith start to step up here. I do not want Howie making another move at edge rusher in, in season. Yeah, I think Eagles fans are a little bit confused about who Nolan Smith is as well. He isn't, I mean, you can quote me if I'm wrong and tweet me and tell me I'm wrong. I don't see him as like a 10, 15 sack guy in the NFL. I think he's much more of a chess piece. And I think I was going to mention this earlier on, is that I hate the term position this player's. I think it's rubbish and it's stupid because you have to play a position. And I think it's massively overrated. But I think Sean Desai uses a lot of different looks. I think he wants players that can do a lot of things. You know, Jordan Davis, who can play nose. He's also played free tech. Jalen Carter plays basically everywhere on the line. We've also seen Fletcher Cox defender. Fletcher Cox defensive end this year as well. Um, you can sort of see a little bit of everything. Even looking at the linebackers, I think we mentioned Moreau and Cunningham. They'll sometimes play as one of the five men on the line of scrimmage. I think Nolan Smith is going to be that guy who they want to sometimes rush the passer, sometimes drop into coverage, sometimes set the edge. I think he's basically going to be their movable chess piece. The problem is that's hard to learn in year one. So I think it's going to take some time because, quite frankly, and this sounds really mean, he looks so small when he rushes the passer. Uh, you don't look at him and think that guy's dominant physically. He's going to bend the edge and get 10 feet. I know, I, I know he's the same size as Reddick before everyone tweets me. He does not look the same. Like, I don't care what the weight says. I don't really care what the body type is. He looks small. He's very upright. He looks very skinny in his lower legs and his calves. Um, he doesn't look like athletically as gifted as you'd expect. But I think a lot of that is his brain is probably running into overdrive when he's playing. I think even in this game, he plays three snaps and he's dropping back into one. I think that's just what the Eagles want him to be. Um, and I think it will take a little bit of time with him. Um, before we finish up on the defense, do you want to very, very, I mean, I want to hit it as well. Just talk about the secondary in a little bit more detail. So do you, shall I let you talk about Josh Joe, seeing as you watched him in a bit more depth before this? And then I wouldn't mind just quickly chatting about the safety position because I'm terrified about it. Yeah. Uh, do we have to talk about the secondary? <laughs> I don't know if I want to. Um, just what one might one note. So my, from my scouting report on Nolan Smith going into the draft last year, uh, I noted he was second percentile weight, uh, but 99th, 99th percentile 40 time and vertical. So like I said, tremendous athlete undersized, but I wrote on my profile, he has ridiculous bend and is often able to dip under offensive tackles to get to the quarterback, a strong edge setter in the running game. Hopefully that will translate to the next level. But then I noted he can be stonewalled by athletic tackles who have the ability to run him around the horn. He does not have much in the way of counter moves if he can't bend around the edge. And I think that it's one thing to sprint around the edge on very good SCC tackles. It's another thing to do it against NFL vets. And I think ultimately, I mean, he played off ball linebacker some in training camp and it's so hard to pick up all those different things. I don't know what the Eagles are doing with him right now, but if I were the Eagles, I would really like to see them focus on just developing him as a pass rusher, develop a counter move. Like that's our goal for rookie season. Let's get you on the field. Let's develop one counter move a speed to power thing, a grip rip, whatever it is, let's give you one inside counter move. And if we get there by the playoffs, he could be a productive player. Even if he's not the best edge setter in the run game, even if he doesn't, you know, he's not able to drop into coverage and things. If he can just get up field and, and cause some disruption, that's like my ultimate goal for Nolan Smith by playoffs is just be able to do that. And given his usage, I don't think the Eagles are really 
planning that much, but I would like to see him start to get on the field more. Yeah, that is fair enough. Um, do you want to talk about Josh Jones? You watched him. You be the judge. You're the man. I didn't watch him as closely as you. I quite like Josh Jones, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what, do, what do you think? Give me your, seeing as you watch him closer than me. Every week, I think we'll try and divide up a few things because you can't look at everything. Anyone who watches film knows you can't look at everything. It's impossible. So I think you focused on Joe this week. So give the people what they want. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, so uh, I tweeted out in clips and then also the entire All-22 video. It's like eight minutes long. You can check it out uh, on my Twitter or on my YouTube at Shane Half NFL. But I went through several different tr plays from Job because I heard people being really down on Job after this game. And I, I think that's overblown. Uh, obviously, the first drive, third down, he gets out or he gets inside leverage on, I think it was Garrett Wilson on this play. He's got inside leverage and the route breaks outside and he sort of panics and he grabs and he gets flagged for a penalty. You can't do that. And I think that happens to him a lot. It happens to him later in the game. He gets called for another DPI first. So he's off the field for the second and third drive. They bring him back on for the fourth drive and he immediately got another penalty for the same thing, grabbing at the top of a route stem as the guy's breaking outside. And I think he panics and gets overly physical at the top of these route stems. And that's something he's got to dial back. Coincidentally, people that followed the BGN draft show have heard me say that about nearly every corner I talk about scouting for the draft. They're too grabby at the top of routes and it gets flagged at the next level. You get away with it in college. It takes reps to get that out of you in the NFL. But outside of that, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, he comes back on the first drive after the penalty on third down and on the next third down, they target him again and he makes a pass breakup to get off the field, which confused me why he was gone for the second and third drive. I was like, if you were pulling him because you're mad about the penalty, you would do it then. You wouldn't pull him after a good play. Uh, if he was injured, like, how did he get injured on that play? I don't know what happened there, if it was just a rotation thing. But like I said, he gets another DPI. Um, outside of that, he ends up allowing two receptions. He only allowed two yards after the catch on those receptions. Now, that's because his worst rep of the game was negated by a penalty. Uh, which was the blindside block on Reed Blankenship. He got cooked over the middle on that one. Uh, he was he was expecting, he had inside leverage, was expecting the outbreaking route, and he got caught leaning. And he had to like entirely twist his body around, and the, and Garrett Wilson was gone. So, uh, But I thought he drew Garrett Wilson a decent amount. Uh, there was some good reps. There was a good rep from off coverage where he clicked and closed on a slant route. And, I mean, they didn't throw it, but it was taken away. Uh, he had a couple good uh, reps in press coverage where he got a good jam on. He had another one down in the red zone again on Garrett Wilson, where they tried to get him on a double move on an out and up. We've seen Darius Slay bite on that. Like good corners get, get got by double moves and he stayed right in phase with the receiver and took the throw away. So I thought it was more good than bad from Job. You, you would like to see him stop grabbing guys. Like if he doesn't draw those two penalties, I don't think anybody thinks negatively about Job after this game. So Obviously, you want Slay back, and I think with Slay back, I want Job off the field so Bradbury can stay outside and put, you know, Roby when he gets healthy, put Sidney Brown in the slot, do something different in the slot because I do think Bradbury is just better outside than he is in the slot, more impactful. Uh, but I, I'm confident in Josh Job to step in for a few games for an injury, and I think the arrow still points up for him as a long-term starter down the road. 
Good, excellent, because you're watching closely. And I think he's quite good. Um, I think he's far too grabby. He, as you said, he'll give up pass interference. But overall, I um, I think he's I think he's fine. I think as far as he was secondary go, if he's your cornerback three or four on the outside, then you're pretty, in pretty good hands. Um, very quickly, because then we need to go into the offense. Uh, I wanted to just talk about a safety position. Um, I have no idea what he was going to do. Like I'm normally an optimistic fan, but they're going to have to bring someone in if Blankenship and Brown can't go because Edmonds just looks really bad to me. There's a there's a play I didn't tweet it out, but one of the things the Eagles do well was that they will bracket um, receivers and they bracketed Garrett Wilson. The problem with a bracket is sometimes someone takes inside, sometimes takes, someone takes outside, and the guy just runs straight through the bracket. There was a snap where Garrett Wilson just ran straight past Edmonds, and I was watching it like, oh dear. Uh, he just ran straight past him. Edmonds has got no recovery speed at all. Um, the reason I mention this is because I'm pretty sure that they ran this same bracket later on in the game when Brad B, when Bradbury was in the slot because he's got really, really outside leverage. Um, Garner, and this is not at all me blaming him, uh, he has no idea what he's doing. And I mean, you're watching, I can see Edmonds on screen. It's quite weird watching the play because Edmonds is sort of shouting at Garner and he's definitely pointing at Wilson. He's sort of staring at Wilson and shouting at Garner. And then Bradbury gives up inside um, leverage and Garner just isn't there. Um, this is clip nine on my timeline, by the way. You see it. Garner just covers nobody. And Garrett Wilson is totally wide open. The Eagles secondary is just lost the safety position right now. And if they go against this Dolphins offense on Sunday with a lot of motion, um, I don't know what on earth is going to happen on the back end. The safeties are a real problem. I think Blankenship is extremely good. Like, he's just very good. Um, Brown, Evans, I would want them back at this point. We don't even know if they're any good, really. I mean, Justin Evans isn't particularly good, but at least he can play. Um, Edmonds and Garner, if they if they play, then this Eagles defense is going to be in real trouble. And I've said this for a while, but we haven't done it yet. But I can't help but feel they need to add a vet at the safety position. And they keep adding slot corners. Um, but I think there has to be an answer for um, I don't want to spend any more time on it just because of, I want to talk about the offense, but there has to be an answer to that position because if they go into the playoffs in the secondary and Blankenship gets hurt, um, it's really going to stop them, unfortunately, because good offenses with any sort of pass protection are going to just take shot after shot um, at their safeties. Yeah, I agree with that. I Edmonds, I thought he was going to be better than he has been. He's for me, he's safety four on this team. Like I would put Reed Blankenship out there, Sidney Brown, Justin Evans, all three ahead of him. And so if he's your best safety that you have available, you're in a heap of trouble, especially against the Dolphins offense. So hopefully that won't be the case. Uh, we're going to throw it to a quick break here, and then we will be back to break down the Eagles offensive film. So stay tuned. And we are back here on the Shane page. We just got done breaking down the Eagles defensive film. We're going to turn the page here to the offense. Johnny, an offense that we talked about played well, a quarterback that we talked about played well for three quarters and then sort of the wheels came off. But let's start earlier in the game when things were going well. Uh, and let's just walk through some of the things that we saw. Uh, let's talk about the first drive. Uh, the first drive, Jalen Hurts throws 12 passes. And DeAndre Swift was targeted for four of those passes. My question is, and I'm glad there's check downs. I, I want to make the defense respect that, but do you really want DeAndre Swift getting a third of a, the targets in an offense featuring AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard? I mean, on the day, the running backs had 13 of 43 targets, which is 30% of the offense. 
it, it seems like it might be a little bit too much to me. It's, it's a big change from last year. It's a big change from last year. Um, you know, when you get things right, you have to sort of give yourself a pat on the back. I, I called the Swift thing so well. And I think I said in my film review, um, I think I said it pre-season in the podcast as well, that um, I really think they're trying to do this Christian McCaffrey thing in what we're doing in San Francisco, where basically you send all your extremely talented receivers down the field on these wonderful deep crossing patterns, over routes, posts, dagger, and then you just send your running back out on basically option uh, routes every single time. Um, I don't think they're yet running the option aspect. Really, I think it's more like setting stone, like this is an angle route or this is an in or an out. Um, but I think that's the future. I don't mind it. I'm fine with it. Um, I think Swift is really good at the backfield. I think if teams are going to sit back and stop the deep shots, then I am totally fine um, checking it out as a running back. In fact, I think it's probably one of the most exciting developments for me this year is the fact that that is now an element of, or a way that the Eagles offense can win. I always think of the best offenses in the league. I think of ways that they can win. So how does a defense have to attack them? As good as the Eagles were last year, and their offense was probably better than it has been this year, it was vertical shots down the field and run game. And I think it's nice to have an extra layer of uh, things they can do to win. And I think passing to Sanders just never happened. Just didn't want to do it. Um, I love the fact they're throwing the ball to Swift more. Four times in the drive one, yeah, maybe a little bit overkill. And Gamewell had a terrible drop later on um, on a play that hurts. Had a fantastic play outside of structure. But I think it's one of the big things that the Eagles have added to this offense. Um, so I don't really mind it. I'll be honest, I'm all for it. I think the Eagles did some really cool things with their running backs, actually, we'll get into in this game. Um, but I am fully on board with Swift uh, getting six targets uh, every game, to be honest. So you won't hear many complaints from me. But maybe that's because I called for it before the season. So it just makes me look good if they do it now. Yeah, What one of the things I told people complaining about, like the run-pass splits, which you're playing a team without their top three cornerbacks that has a really good run front. So I understand why you're airing the ball out. It's probably my game plan would have been as well. But people say there's 14 running back runs versus 45 pass attempts. But there were also, of those 45 pass attempts, 14 of them were targets to running backs, generally quickly out of the backfield as a check down or on a choice or on an angle route. If you sort of, and it's not exactly the same, but if you view that as an extension of the rushing attack, I mean, you're getting the ball out quick. You're putting it in the hands of a back in the open field. It's what you're trying to design out of running games. If you sort of consider those as a part of the running game, it's 28 carries to 31 passes. And I don't think people want to hear that, but I don't think it was as imbalanced as people want to make it out to be. And uh, if you can hit those targets quickly over the middle and into the flats, I think it helps out a lot. And case in point, coolest play I've seen the Eagles run this year on the opening drive. They've got Boston Scott in the backfield. He's to the left of Jalen Hurts. DeAndre Swift is out wide at the boundary on the right, and they motion him into the backfield. And you can already see the Jets trying to scramble. Now you're in a pony package, two running backs in the backfield. And then you send A.J. Brown motion from the left in orbit motion behind the formation, and the Jets are trying to get a line to the motion, and they snap the ball, and it's just a little triple option. They read out the defensive end. The defensive end dives at the running back at Swift, so Hurts pulls the ball, and they do exactly what a defense should do against that. They have a linebacker scraping over the top downhill. It hurts. Problem is there were two running backs. And so he just flips the ball out to Boston Scott in the flat and he picks up a first down. I loved that play design. I would love to see more 
pony packages, more of these guys, especially when wide receiver three is such a waste anyways, more 12 personnel, please, more 21 personnel, uh, and, and a lot of this motion. I thought that was such a cool play that we saw on the first drive. It's not going to be a waste anymore. Now, Julio Jones is here. Uh, Hall of Famer, Julio Jones. But anyway, we're not going to touch on that today because I have no idea what to expect. Um, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles had so many good designs on the first two drives. Like, I thought Brian Johnson was calling a hell of a game. There was a Devontae Smith in the back in the backfield that I loved, um, where they got matched up on a linebacker. And I actually think, I'll like to talk to this one, uh, Devonta Smith later, actually. We get a little bit of time, but I was a little bit disappointed he didn't separate more there. Like Quincy Williams is brilliant, but if he separates, he's gone. There's no one else there. I mean, he's going to get another 10, 15 yards at least. The pony package was brilliant. Like They used it twice really effectively. They used it on the first drive, which you mentioned on third and short, where they threw it to Boston Scott in the flat. And they also used it later on where they faked a inside run to DeAndre Swift and then tossed it to Boston Scott. And it was like an outside zone uh, toss play. And there's one thing, and I, I don't know how you judge this. No one can judge it. You can't quantify it. Data can't say it. I don't think we sequence plays very well. Now, Brian Johnson is a rookie offensive coordinator, and I think he calls some really good plays. I think if you go and sit with him in his office and he goes, oh, I'm going to do this. Look at this on the whiteboard. You go, brilliant. I, and it's impossible to judge this because we don't know. But when I watch really good offenses, I see them go back to the same looks, the same formations, and then do things off of it. Um, I feel like the Eagles at the moment, and the reason why I think they're struggling with rhythm, is that they do really good things. But they don't really sequence things off of that really good thing. They feel a bit random. So in this game, that outside zone toss was brilliant. They got a man to the edge. They actually got outside the Jets defensive line. They never used it again. They didn't have another outside zone snap, as far as I'm aware. And they definitely didn't have another toss play. Now, even if you're not going to run it again, why don't you use the exact same, exact same look and this time hand it off to DeAndre Swift? Could they then go back to that pony personnel and throw it to AJ Brown in motion? Um, I feel like the offense does loads of cool things. We never saw uh, Devonta Smith in the backfield again. Now, I know you only have a, a limited amount of plays you can run, and there's a lot of different things you can do. But I feel like this was a really good example, because I think the hardest thing on offense is getting started. I think once you get started, then you feel on top of the world, because the defense is playing your game now. They're adapting to you. They were not expecting the pony package, almost certainly, because they've just never done it, really, the Eagles this year. So I really feel like the Eagles could have gone and built off that. And I feel like it's random plays that aren't particularly well sequenced. And I think what that does is that leads to just a few drives here and there where the Eagles get stuck in the mud and this happens every week and there's not an obvious, easy answer. Um, it's one of those things that it's really, it's impossible to quantify, which is why people don't talk about it because you can easily just tweet me and say you sound like an idiot. You have no idea if they're sequencing plays or not. You're not in the room. You don't know how they're building off certain things. And you're correct. I don't. It's just a feel I get when I watch film. I, uh, when I see an outside zone toss play work really well, I, I feel like, why are you not doing anything off that again? At the very least, fake a toss run um, later on. Uh, maybe run outside zone um, with like the QB sort of... Um, what's the word, bootleg into the other side or something. You just feel like there's something you can do. And I don't think we do it at the moment. And as impressed as I am with some of the offensive design, and there are so many good plays, go and look at our timelines this week that I liked. There's so many good designs. I don't know if you feel like I'm being harsh, but I feel like 
they're not sequencing things well. And I feel like that's why people are a bit frustrated. And that's why the offense isn't in a flow because everything feels a little bit more difficult this year. It's not as easy as um, it was last year because it's, it's harder. Everything feels new. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm right. It's just, a, it's just a feeling I have. It's a, it's a feeling I get when I watch the film at the moment. No, I, I'm right there with you. And, People have complained about Brian Johnson in the offense. And I think largely this is the Nick Sirianni offense. I mean, Nick Sirianni built the car. Brian Johnson's in the driver's seat. And you see the same, like they're running the same things they ran last year. You see dagger ad nauseum. You see four verticals, you see smash, you see mesh. Like you see these same few concepts they really like over and over. And then you see some things you haven't seen before, like, like the motioning into the pony package, like, the one you talked about where you've got both running backs on the same side of Hertz and you have one go right and you fake it and you toss it left. And you, you had another play where Dallas Goddard was in the backfield and they threw a screen to Dallas Goddard. But everything new that we see, we only see that one look like you're talking about. It's like, it's like the old, I don't know if you ever played like NCAA football back in its heyday, but NCAA yeah. 14, it had the system where there was like an inside zone and right next to it, was a play fake inside zone. And when you ran inside zone like two or three times, that play would be set up and then the defense the defense would react slower because they would think it was a run. You don't have that setup. Like you don't get back in the pony package and throw the orbit motion to AJ Brown this time. You don't get back in that double offset look and like you said, hand it to DeAndre Swift or fake the toss and bootleg Jalen to the right. Like I feel like there's good concepts that are being added to the offense but they're not incorporated in. It's like, here's our offense. And then here's this one little a la carte thing that we'll order for this one play. And then we're just going to go back to the script. And, and so I'm with you like that. That's one of the things I talked about that I thought Shane Steichen was so good at last year. I thought he was an incredible play sequencer. I think the yeah. offense is largely like the offense is the design's largely the same. The sequencing is just a little bit off. And, you know, the first possession, you get down into the red zone, like you've gone on this long drive, you got first and goal at the four, and then you go Boston Scott run. Why is it not DeAndre Swift? I don't know. You go Boston Scott run on first and goal at the four. Jack Driscoll blows his block. It was a tackle offset thing. You lose seven yards. Second down, you get scramble drill because there's instant pressure again from Driscoll. And then, and I hated these calls. It got you in the end zone, but you go QB draw twice. <laughs> and you end up scoring like, is that really how you want to operate in the red zone? And the red zone is where everything gets more difficult already. And I feel like that's the biggest place you're seeing that lack of sequencing, that lack of like thinking three plays ahead. This is my first down call to get to this third down. I mean, you shouldn't be trying to get to third down, but you know what I mean? Like we're not yeah. running this play to set up this play. It's just, it's just ask Madden and you're picking from good plays, but yeah, without a real that, plan um... at times. That um, unbalanced set was a great example. That first down run. Like, I, I'm all for sticking the right tackle as a left as a left tackle or an extra tight end on that side and having an unbalanced line. But it wasn't like they did it early on in the game. It wasn't like they checked out what the Jets were doing. You've got a backup offensive tackle who can't even play right tackle very well, and then you're asking him to run block from a totally different position. And it felt like that was a play that we had this play on the sheet. Therefore, we're running it. But did anyone mention like you know Lane Johnson went out earlier? maybe we shouldn't run that play because Jack Driscoll is struggling badly enough as it is. Um, I'll give you like my easiest example. When people talk about sequencing plays, um, for listeners who aren't sure what we mean, um, the one concept 
but I do not know where it has gone is the intermediate out routes Dallas got it on a three level stretch. Like that's just vanished from the playbook. And I love to sit down with Sirianni and Johnson or a journalist to be like, where's that gone? Because Dallas got it ran the best corner or deep out uh, routes you'd ever see last year. Three level stretch, very simple outside receiver, go deep. Dallas got it would run a deep out of some sort. I mean, you have a, a short flat. And do you know what they would do? They would run it and run it and run it. And then Dallas got it, it's faked like he's running it out. And he'd, cut, and he'd cut back into the middle of the field and actually run like a, a dig route. And it's so easy, but football can be really easy. Um, and that defender has seen Dallas Goddard run that out multiple times. And then all of a sudden, he's coming back in the field. And I'm sure I have an example from my timeline last year that I'll be able to find and tweet out. Um, another easy example, the Eagles are smashing comebacks to AJ Brown this year. Run a double move. Like, once you hit those comeback two or three times, now you can build on it. And it's not even a – I think Johnson's a rookie, as I said, offensive coordinator. And overall, I'm impressed. He's faced some criticism this week. He, he, you won't hear a lot from me. If you read the offensive article that I wrote yesterday, it's very overwhelmingly positive. Like, I think the general design of the offense is good. I think the difference between someone like Johnson and what the top, top, top guys are doing in the moment is we are not building off what works and it makes every game a little bit more random. And um, the only, like, a good example of this, for example, is um, like how many shadow crossing or drag routes did they run in this game that didn't work? They had so many times a guy was just running a drag and they ran it on the final drive as well and Hurts nearly got picked when he sort of threw it behind AJ Brown. And that felt like they went into the game saying this play is going to work. And it didn't seem to work and they kept running it. And I was sort of very frustrated in that final drive when it didn't feel like they had a lot of answers. That final drive felt very random. Um, it felt very much like, what can we do here? What's on our call sheet? It didn't feel like, right, what have we done early on in the game? How can we build off that? Um, and that was really disappointing because as good as they were, that final drive was just so average and I think that goes back to the fact that they you can almost imagine them sitting there like well what do we call because they didn't really have they weren't setting anything up earlier on in the game but they came back to those four plays were really random even the final play of the game they ran a post to Devontae Smith and by the way he's open but it wasn't like is that your go-to call on fourth and ten it's a it's a bit of a low percentage shot that you don't see very often this year so that was a bit I find the offense really good, yet I still feel like there's another 5-10% um, of an edge they can gain. Um, but again, we are being picky. Um, but yeah. I think that's the difference between a top 10 offense and a top 2 or 3 offense currently. Well, let's get into the, the last two drives. Let's get into that because uh, we're running a little short on time here. Um, the people don't need to hear us talk about Devonta Smith dropping the ball. You know what happened. Plenty of people are talking about it. Let's talk about some schematic things on these final two drives. Um, there's a play, the Eagles had the ball on the 31 yard line and they had a bunch formation to the bottom of the screen. AJ Brown's isolated at the top and they ran like a play action max protect. And then you have the running back leaking out of the backfield, but out of your bunch, you have two receivers. You've got Alameda Zacchaeus breaking outside deep. You've got Devonta Smith breaking inside deep, both like 15, 18 yards down the field. Both guys would be wide open on this play, but Hertz pulls the trigger on that underneath pass. And I'm never going to like, I'm never going to kill a guy for taking the underneath pass. You move the, you, you get some yardage. You don't take a negative play, but he had the pocket there. And that's one where it's like, 
And maybe the strip sack from early in the game is in your head at that point. Your internal clock is sped up. And if that's the case, you can't call this play because it does take time to develop. But he could have had either guy there. And um, that was an example. And then you get you really just get into like, you know, the interception, right? Like the interception's just so bad. Actually, before you get to the interception, there's a really good one I want to point out. It was a third down. Uh, the Jets showed five defensive linemen. Uh, just like we were talking about the Eagles doing one of the guys is a linebacker lined up over the right guard. And that linebacker bails at the snap and they bring the slot corner from the top of the screen. So you've got four guys rushing against three linemen. You will get a free runner at Jalen hurts back and hurts knows that. And they've got Goddard on an out route at the sticks and he just stands in there and delivers it. The timing's perfect right before he gets hit. So I thought that was really good, but then you get onto the interception and we can talk about the interception here. I'll tell you what I saw, and you tell me if you saw the same. So, what uh, one? You're about second or third? Do what? Oh, the the oh. last one. That last, last one. one. So, first of all, go win the football game. I like the decision to throw the football here. I said before the snap, I would throw the ball. Third and ten. The running game hasn't been working very well. Do you? I mean, I know the defense has played well, but do you really trust a defense with Makai Gardner and Mario Goodrich, who again got cut today, to get one more stop more than you trust Jalen Hurts to get a first down? Like, I think you make that call, but over the fourth quarter, the Jets, they were dropping a lot of zones over the middle of the field, a lot of eyes on these short routes. They were eyeing crossers. That's why they weren't open. They were trusting that the deep ball wouldn't have time to develop because of your tackle situation. And so the Eagles run a curl on each side of the field and Hertz opens up left. He's looking right at Dallas Goddard running the curl. Problem is you've got a guy inside and outside. They're bracketing both of these curls. Everybody knows third and 10, you want to throw a curl to the sticks, right? And if the first guy doesn't intercept it, the second guy would. My problem on this one, and Hertz is falling out of this throw. He doesn't step into it. But at the top of the screen, the same direction he's looking, A.J. Brown's running that deep comeback route that he's been so good on, and he's got single coverage. Like, if he would just hang on to that ball, if he just sees, like, there's three guys on this side of the field, whoever they don't double team is where I'm going to go. And I mean, that's that's the worst decision Jalen Hurts made in this game, and it ends up costing him the game, but... A.J. Brown, like as he's throwing that, A.J. Brown's about to come out of that break. You could have put the ball on his face mask and moved the chains and ended the game. And if that happened, everybody's talking about how good Jalen Hurts played. Yeah, right. Two, two things on that. I'm fine with the decision to throw. I'm like you. You'll never hear me criticize coaches for being aggressive on this podcast because I think that's how you win games in the NFL. I hate running curls on that play. I completely agree with you. Third and 10, curl easy play i think the eagles missed a trick here where they should have tried to convert but they also could have done it sensibly so i think the jets would have given up anything four or five yards short there is no harm at all uh, in giving up anything short of the sticks i think the jets would have given you uh, easy yardage i think what you could do is you're going to try to run like a slant or something short of the sticks where you can keep the clock running and yet you can still get the opportunity to pick up the first down. So I would have been totally fine with a check down to DeAndre Swift. I'd have been totally fine with DeAndre Swift le leaking out the backfield here. Um, so I'm fine with the decision to throw the ball. I hate the concept. And I can see you've got the play on the screen as well, for, for everyone watching um, on the video. When you go back and watch this play, anyone at home, go and watch Jaden Hurts' feet. Just stare at his feet. If you want to know why he threw this ball, he is feeling pressure. 
There is the single most effective way of beating any quarterback in the NFL is by pressuring them because they get happy feet. Every single quarterback does. Uh, if you watch him, he is simply not comfortable. And you can criticize him and say he melted down, which he sort of did. But watch his feet in the pocket. He is bailing backwards, Nick Foles style. Um, this was one of the rare games when the Eagles offensive line got beat pretty badly. Hurts is not used to that. And I think when he had the chance to scramble, he was fine. In fact, he was very good outside of structure in this game. But when it came down to making a play in structure, um, he felt he felt pressure. He saw ghosts. Um, of course, he sees a linebacker there. People are like, how does he not see this too? He sees they're there. He panics. The, he, the idea that this was like a Jets defensive masterclass and hurts uh, all, he doesn't see anyone. He just throws it. I mean, maybe he doesn't see two people. I would be very surprised if that's the case. He's a professional quarterback. I think he panics. He drops back and he sees it's third and 10 and wants to make a play. It's a little bit hero ball. I hate the decision as in the concept, because I think the Jets are almost guaranteed to sit on the uh, sticks on that line. They're basically certain um, to sit on that first down line. So curls are going to be really hard to, to hit. The other problem with a curl is it almost feels like it's incomplete or it's complete without any yards after the catch. It's almost not going to be complete um, or you're going to catch it and go straight down. If you throw like a short route to um, DeAndre Swift at the backfield, you might get a catch. You might get six yards. You might still punt but you still kill time off the clock. So I think the Eagles could have been a little bit clever there. However, the Eagles are incredibly good at winning football games, partly because Sirianni is brilliant at game management. So I will criticise them this one time, but on the whole, that is not something I'm going to pick apart the Eagles for as an organisation because they are incredibly good down the stretch. I think sometimes these plays can be more simple than we think. I think he just feels pressure. I think he sees ghosts and I think he throws something he should never, ever throw. And unfortunately, it's probably the worst throw of his career because it did cost the Eagles the game. Um, we won't have time to go into any real depth of it, but I do think when people talk about the second interception as well, um, I think it's really interesting to watch next week if Lane Johnson doesn't play. Dolphins pass rush is really good. Um, the Eagles, talking about adjusting to their game plan, did not adjust to Lane Johnson being out in this game. Um, as good as I think Johnson and Siri, and good, sorry, as good as I think Brian Johnson and Sirianni are as game planners and as play callers, you cannot keep calling these deep vertical shots with no one else in protection and expect a backup right tackle to survive because quite frankly he didn't the numbers you've all seen them i don't need to repeat them about how bad driscoll was but half the reason those numbers are so bad was because the eagles did not help him out and against any good pass rushes in the in the nfl when your backup right tackle was in you're going to need to adjust schematically and i don't think the eagles adjusted very well to lane johnson being out especially when you consider that cam jurgens was also out so you've got two backups next to each other um I think that's something he was going to have to do better moving forward. Yeah. And then the last drive, the Jets, like we said, they're sitting on these shallow routes. And you wait until fourth down to try to take a shot down the field, like take that shot on first or second down and get them to back up and give you some room. But we get to that fourth and 10. And those of you watching on YouTube, this play is going to be on the screen. Uh, if you're listening on audio, it's on our timelines and stuff. But We'll describe it here, but the Jets rotate into single high and they're really keeping an eye on AJ Brown. And so we try to throw the post to Devonta Smith and it's there. He's open. It's outside leverage from the cornerback. The problem is, again, Hertz feels pressure where there's not pressure. The Jets only rush to only rush two. like there's a triple team on the right side of the line. 
and Hertz is moving to the left. Like he's afraid that he's about to get pressured. Like it's a, it's a triple team and, and the throw is there if he makes it in rhythm, but he doesn't, he slides, he heel clicks, he's parallel to Devonta Smith. And then he tries to whip the hips around and get the throw out. And it's just late. And that's a huge part of, I mean, he's been under pressure all game and you said seeing ghosts. And I hate to say that because it makes me think of Zach Wilson uh, <laughs> in that game. I think it was last year, but that's what it is. That's a throw that you expect hurts to make. And that ball just never had a chance. Yeah, and the Eagles' reads are pretty easy as an offense, actually. The good thing about playing a lot of vertical shots is the reads can be quite easy for a quarterback. Quite often, it's just read the safety. Um, and when you look at that play, the safety on Smith's side of the field clearly is coming downhill, which means that the only guy who actually, I think, gets the inception in the end, he has to come all the way across from the other side of the field to get single high. So that post is open. You've got a single high safety coming from the other side of the field. You've got Devontae Smith against a quarterback with outside leverage running a post. And you've also, all you've got to do is read that safety on Devontae Smith's side. And the second you see him come downhill, um, that is open. Um, I'm not going to have a big Devontae Smith discussion here because he's a very good football player. Um, but I think if you go back and watch this game, he is not looking too good at the moment on the outside against press coverage. There was a snap very quickly to finish off with in the first quarter, I think, when the Eagles went four strong. So they went quads formation on one side, which basically shifts the whole defensive attention to that side of the field. And they left Devontae Smith one-on-one -on, -one on the left-hand side against a backup quarterback. And he didn't get any separation at all down the field and the ball got knocked out of bounds. And I'm not blaming Devontae Smith at all for that last play. It is 100% on Jalen Hurts for not throwing it. But I think I've seen some comments from McNabb, which we won't talk about, about forcing the ball a little bit to AJ Brown. Some people talk about the Eagles having two wide receiver ones. Um, I don't want to make a very controversial statement, but they don't really. AJ Brown is better. Like, uh, I love Devontae Smith, but there's a reason that Hurts forces the ball to AJ Brown. And there's a reason that, unfortunately, I think Hurts didn't throw that ball to Devontae Smith. And at the moment, if you actually go back and look at the film this year, I think Smith's been a little bit underwhelming. And I think we assume he always separates because he's such a good um, route runner against off coverage. But against press, he struggled quite a lot in this game. And I don't think it's a huge coincidence that we're not going to talk Julio Jones. But the Eagles did add someone who can play outside. So I wonder if you're going to see a little bit more Devonta Smith in the slot because I think too often he's getting pressed out of plays. And I think it's just something to know that we all love Devontae Smith and he's a fantastic football player. And I'm not saying he's not, but I think maybe that's another area the Eagles feel that the Eagles feel they can improve if they get more Smith away from press coverage, because he's not actually playing that well, I don't think, in the past couple of weeks when he's being pressed at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, uh, he has not. And that's one of the things, like his release package was so good. This was something I talked about back in his draft is that in that draft, like his traits and his skills didn't match. Like his his traits, his physical traits, he's so small, right? But his skills, he was had such a good release package in college. And it's like, how is that going to translate? And it did really well last year. I think it's given him a little more trouble this year. And, uh, you know, that's aside from the drops, which are easy to see. But he hasn't separated as well at times this year. He hasn't been as good in contested catch situations, which – you never expected him to be good in contested catch situations, but he was so good in it last year. So hopefully um, he's able to get back on track. 
Just one final note on that as well. One thing the Eagles do really well is people assume that AJ Brown's always the X, but he's not. The Eagles like putting AJ Brown as a Z and Devontae Smith as the X. And they do that because, yes, you think generically your best receiver is the X. AJ Brown can defeat press coverage. But you know what? He's also very nice not having to face press coverage. So the Eagles will quite often, actually. If you watch the Eagles more than you think, I don't have the numbers on this, but I would bet AJ Brown plays against press coverage less than you think. Um, because I see a lot of stats when Devontae Smith is the X and AJ Brown is not. So I think that could be another reason for the Julio Jones signing. Because I think what you can then do is put uh, Julio Jones outside as the X, AJ Brown as the Z, and Devontae Smith as a slot. I don't really hear many people talk about that ever, but I think if you look at a game, Devontae Smith actually faces press coverage more than you would think, and AJ Brown does it less than you would think. That's just a very random take to finish on. All right. Uh, well, that is going to about wrap this one up. Trust me, we could talk for another hour, but I don't think anybody wants to listen to it that long. So, uh, before we get out of here, Johnny, do you have any final thoughts, any random tidbits that you didn't fit in, uh, anything that you want to say? Um, no, just please give feedback. Uh, go and read everything we do because this podcast is probably an extension of that as well. We cannot cover everything. Um, there's a lot of people online who say a lot of things, but I can honestly say that both me and Shane watch every single play at least once. So what you will get here is just honest opinions of what we think. But I would say, please give us feedback if there's things you want to see. If you are a reader of mine and you watch a lot of Shane's videos, tell us how you found it. Um, but I would say view these as like an extension of what we already do. We won't cover everything. And honestly, I wish we could, um, but we do not have the time. So there's probably going to be themes that we touch on each week. So if there's things you want us to talk about, we pretty much always record on Wednesday during the season, or we aim to. So tweet us, comment on my articles, tell me that you want us to focus on things. And yeah, we're more than happy to dive into certain topics if people want to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check out Johnny's written work for Bleeding Green Nation. Follow him on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. His offensive All-22 uh, post is up on BGN. Uh, the defense is coming. His defensive thread is on Twitter. You can check out my Eagles pass game review. I chopped up like 20 plays and went through those. Uh, I did a Josh Job game review. So check those things out and you can view those as a little bit of background. And like Johnny said, give us feedback. Uh, we don't want to lose you guys on this. So if this show is hard to follow, let us know any feedback suggestions. If you want us to cover like a passing concept of the week or explain some term next week that we use, something like that, we can add segments. Just let us know what you guys think that feedback is always appreciated. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. He is at Johnny Page Nine. Make sure you are subscribed to the BGN radio channel or feed where you will get all of BGN shows. Uh, and we will catch you guys next week on the Shane Page. <laughs>